Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here. I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by Gear Up Sports, one of the leaders in youth apparel sports, but they also support company attire with a distributed workforce and gear to stay connected. Go to gearupwithus.com. If you're looking on our YouTube site, you'll see I am wearing gear for this. And this brings us to our first ever promo, so to speak, uh, here on the Measure Success Podcast. If you listen to this podcast or look up our guest, Elizabeth Wesley Casella, and find out where she had her university degree and her master's certificate in Lean Six Sigma, which has happened to be a Final Four contender in the 2002 Men's Basketball Championship, um, please email at catch, C-A-T-C-H, at 40strategy.com. We'll have a drawing. The winner will get one of our gear uh, on the podcast. So anyways, hopefully, looking forward to this. Look forward to get your emails, catch at 40strategy.com. Which brings us to our shout out. Jarrett Ransom is the nonprofit nerd from the Ravian Group. Uh, she is tremendous. That's who recommended Elizabeth to this. And you can look up Jarrett on the ravangroup.com. She was also a previous guest of the Measure Success podcast show. So thank you, Jared, uh, for this recommendation. And here we are with Elizabeth Wesley Casella. Uh, she is the CEO and founder of L12 Services, a Washington, D.C. based firm which focuses on internal communications and organizational development. She works with businesses to improve workflow, processes, and culture by leveraging the institutional knowledge of existing team members. Elizabeth, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Well, we did the brief intro about your company, and we had one of those, I remember when we had our phone call prepping for this, I was in my favorite parking lot, which is Starbucks, um, getting a coffee, I believe, on, on it happened to be a nice day here in Oregon, uh, one of those rare nice days. And we had a great chat and I was like, I'm so glad we got connected because you have, um, we, we have both a kindred spirit for process improvement, making things better by figuring out how to get things done. Tell us more about your business. Certainly. So we do the process improvement and, and the, um, the kindred spirit that you and I are talking about through an eye on relationship development and culture. What we're trying to do is mine the solutions to problems that businesses have using the institutional knowledge or the knowledge of the already in place high caliber teams. So we are getting the voice of the customer, which is actually the voice of the worker, um, to help provide solutions that um, are sustainable and that allow um, the people who do the work to feel heard and to invest back uh, in the business of themselves so that they see the problem, they see the solution getting implemented, they see it being refined, and they feel ownership once um, they've gone through that iterative process. So labor has been one of the greatest challenges, especially over the last two years. Um, and, and this is in the, talking about the COVID period of time. Um, prior to that, we had we had a bit of a shortage anyways, right? And, and then we have COVID, which great challenge. Then we have a great resignation. 
So a common thing when, when things are challenged by a company is they'll part ways with an individual and try to right, find somebody else to fix it. But you run into a lot of situations where that next person is just going to run into a bunch of chaos anyways, right? And so they're going to find the same problem where they're going to be unhappy you know, at that particular workplace. How do you create an environment where it helps reduce that chaos, where it becomes a place where people want to work? Well, you know, I, I kind of take um, the approach that, uh, you know, you're hiring me to be your easy button, basically. What we're trying to do is look at something that's usually overly complex and find a way to streamline it. And me coming in as a third party, it makes zero sense for me to look at your org chart and say it's the wrong shape or to say, oh, I've got the, the software that's going to solve all your problems. The best and most effective way to go about improving those processes is to ask the people who actually are in them every day how they're working, why they're working, why they're not working, and alongside that, find out who your um, maybe introvert leaders are. Because if you're talking about seeing problems on the horizon in a large meeting, there are going to be some people who are going to speak up. But if you're talking one-on-one, -on -one, and especially if you're a third party who's unbiased and doesn't have a dog in the fight, you're going to get some information that um, you can't generally in those rather public forums. You're having an intimate conversation, you're relationship building. And so those more quiet people who may be brilliant yet standing on the sidelines finally get to have a voice and, and talk about what's been going on and what their experience is. And that's invaluable. You bring up an interesting dynamic of the classic extrovert versus the introvert, right? And an extrovert will typically dominate a meeting, and then you have an introvert. But what's interesting, if people are looking on, on YouTube, good to great, all of the leaders who were the top 11 in, that were found were all introverts, um, all level five servant-based leaders. They were more quiet, actually. They, they forced themselves to be extroverts, but they really were naturally... Uh, more introvert. So how do you create that confidence? You said it's more on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So are you taking that time then to go through not only doing the group meetings, but meeting with each individual along the way, or do you find the key ones you think are adding the most value? No, because of, of my lean background, I'm a firm believer that every voice has meaning and value. So we generally start out our, our um, contracts by having a blind survey that talks about the mechanics of the job, asking questions like, do you understand the platforms that you're using, or do you feel as though the hours that you're required to work are in alignment with, um, you know, your personal life? Um, do you do you feel as though you're facing the same challenges over and over and over? And then we migrate over into one-on-one -on -one interviews and everyone from the founder to the person who shuts the lights out at the end of the day has an opportunity to sit with me and talk about more of the cultural side. So we're, we're sprinkling in some stay interview questions. We're asking questions like, do you understand the mission, vision, and values of the organization? Do you understand how decisions are made at the leadership level? Do you see something on the horizon that nobody else is talking about? And if so, do you have ideas how to approach it or fix it or, you know, overcome it or prevent it? <laughs> and, and so you gather all the information, right, from all the people who you're and, and how do you I'm kind of curious, how do you sort that information into something meaningful? Right. Because you have I'm assuming you're doing hours and hours of interviews, you know, and you go through this process and, and I'm sure you get some winners. But then how do you how do you film that out to okay these are the these are the top 
you know, five to 10 things that are going to really add significant value? How do you discern that? During the discovery call, I'm listening very closely to what the challenges are, what the organization believes the problems are. And then after I've, you know, aggregated all of that data, I'm answering to those questions at the, basically at the executive summary level, but then having synthesized the information, I'm also adding in the, the four other things they didn't realize that they needed to focus on. It's really all about listening and it does go back to your good to great book. Those introverts who, who were extraordinarily successful were excellent listeners. And that's really the point. The, the reason that we are successful in the way that we do business is not just relationship building, but it's deep listening and trying to understand why the alignment is no longer there. Yes, process is important. Yes, broken process and bottlenecks um, create chaos. However, one way to eliminate that is to have better communication between leadership and the people who do the jobs. And we facilitate that. So what happens when you, you, you get the, um, well, he or she is the problem, right? So how do, you, how do you deal with that, right? When they just go to, well, he or she is the problem and um, we can't fix it because they're there. They're the ones who's there. How do, you, how do you address that? And how do you turn it around to not being a people problem, but rather understanding what's underlying that? Well, you know, it, it takes different forms uh, depending on what the relationship dynamic is. If the he or she is the leader, it's one way. If he or she is a peer, it's another way. And if he or she is a subordinate, it's yet another way. Um, we often find that if it's peer to peer, when we're holding focus groups about the workflow and productivity of that specific department, pod or team, um, those um, misaligned you know, sight lines, so to speak, can can be worked through in that environment because we're visually plotting what the current state looks like, what the future state could look like, and how we get from one to the other. And so we're working through those problems. And all of a sudden, Nancy isn't the bottleneck. Everybody just realizes that Nancy is the go-to person for everything, and you've bottlenecked her. Her her desk probably wouldn't be as cluttered if everybody didn't dump on it. When it's a leadership is the problem issue, and I, it takes a, a good number of people to say the exact same thing about the leader in order for that to usually be the problem. Sometimes it's, again, that, that power dynamic that, that's difficult. Maybe somebody isn't getting their way or isn't moving as fast enough in the organization as they'd like, and so they see the leader as the problem. But if everybody's saying they, they don't have no structure, or you know, they, they treat people badly or whatever. If I hear that over and over, then I'm going to recommend that you know, we utilize the strong network that we have and, and bring in a, an executive coach who may be able to help them or some different type of leadership training, but I will bring in a collaborative partner in order to address that, somebody who really specializes in that area. And then if it's the, the leader saying, you know, we've got a problem with so-and-so or certain, um, you know, certain workers, it's natural that as organizations grow that, you know, there's a divergence in alignment. You know, if values change, which a lot of organizations have stated clearly their values now because they're trying to really clarify what they stand for post-pandemic, there are going to be some people who say, you know, I'm not on board with that or I've experienced the pandemic, my priorities change and I'm no longer on board with that. 
So part of the work that we do is trying to facilitate a way that, you know, the bottom line is people really want to be happy. And if you're not happy in your work environment, but you've been a great team member, let's help find you something that's better. Let's not create a burnt bridge just because, you know, the, the communication or the connection isn't the same. So we're, we're trying to create opportunities for organizations to have that, um, that uh, ownership of the situation and create an exit that is, you know, really smooth and really pleasant. So if, if that person wants to come back, the open doors and, and open arms are right there. Appreciate that answer. One of the things that you showed, and I mean, that, that's a lot. I mean, that is that, but I, I like it like how one of the things you mentioned in there is that if you don't feel comfortable with the situation, you actually bring in another third party, right? Because it's, it's a very hairy situation for lack of a better term, right? You know, and it's a beyond fixing, if you may, you know, from standard approaches, but it does sound like if you get to the root cause of a lot of these issues, you can break away once again from it being a people-related thing to a, to a process, and we can we can understand a little bit better. You know, I, I think a lot of frustration at work is because people can't get their work done. One hundred percent. You know, and, and, and the way for people to enjoy their work is to know exactly how to reach success on a daily basis, and so clarifying what success means and really setting out the steps to get there—that's the obligation of the the organization. And and if you aren't in a situation where there's clarity, if, if you're still in that post-pandemic plate spinning and ball juggling position, right now is the time to take a beat, get those things clarified. So you're keeping your high value and, and high caliber talent, because if you don't, burnout's gonna hit and they're gonna be gone one direction or another. So one of the pieces you talked about in there is that you've been able to, when the organization drop employee attrition by 72%, love that statistic. Tell me about what were the one or two things that helped really take a place where people are leaving on a regular basis and they, they decide this is a better place to stay. Sure. There's an organization that we worked with last year that's doing some really meaningful work. Um, it's pre-hospital trauma care. Um, and they're currently doing it in Ukraine. So I'm really wow. proud. Yeah, I'm really proud of the fact that we were able to get them back on, on the straight and narrow. Um, but, you know, people were leaving because the reporting was not clear. Um, there were no gates of responsibility. So people were step, stepping on each other to solve problems. And there were some issues between leadership communication and the rest of the team. So several people had left. And when we got in there, we started working with the remaining team members. And the cool part was, you know, a couple months into it, after we'd built that trust, after we'd listened deeply, the people that were still on the team would reach out to their friends who'd left and said, hey, you know, you do this one thing and you do this thing really well. And this is the only game in town to do that thing you love. They've, they're trying to build trust here. They've brought in this third party, L12 services. This is the work that they're doing. Why don't you just see if you want to come back? And we got everybody back except for two people. So that was really something that we were proud of in the end. Well, that, that is, that's awesome. That is uh, very exciting to hear something like that with such high success rate and, and to be able to, once again, change that culture, right? Where people want to, once again, more be there, right? Versus, versus go away. Now, one of the other things that you um, talk about on your website that I loved is 
reducing project delivery times by 35%. Now, let me just touch something on this that you and I understand, but not everybody else does. Some might be people go, well, so what? But this is for all you business owners out there or anybody who's thinking about having a business, everything, I, this is my view, Elizabeth, nearly everything's a fixed cost. And so even your employees, even your hourly employees, if they're working 40 every week or 35, or whatever they're working. So therefore, anytime you can move something faster through the system, you're going to make more money. And so when you have this 35% reduction in, in, in project delivery times, that means that we're gonna be able to deliver something you know, so much faster and get more out the door, which is gonna go directly to the bottom line because it's gonna cover your costs more and you're gonna have more profit. So whatever it might be, you know, if you're a not-for-profit organization, you're gonna have more um, money to be able to serve and do other projects. So let's talk about this one example where you had a 35% improvement. What happened there and how were you able to eliminate the waste, you know, that you probably were seeing, you know, in between the, the challenges? Sure. You know, because we aren't talking about manufacturing, so we're not talking about the waste of movement. What we're really talking about is the waste of time. And anybody who, you know, understands the lean definition of the wastes, um, that, that one really is incredibly important and can just about fit in, in any dynamic. Where we found that people were wasting a lot of time was the fact that their job descriptions weren't up to date. So people weren't sure where their job ended and they were getting involved in things that were you know, external to, to their space. Um, their, their document organization was just really awful. They didn't have a communications policy that clearly stated which types of information went on which platform. So you'd be searching emails for information about status updates on projects, or people would be using WhatsApp to fill you in on what was supposed to be you know, a, a brainstorming session on email. You just had information everywhere. So clarifying, you know, WhatsApp is for emergency texts only. Like, you know, where's the link for the Zoom meeting we have in five minutes? I can't find it. You know, project platforms are for bullet pointed information about the status or the, the, you know, recurring items that need to happen in a project. Emails are great for brainstorming and general communication. Like what goes where matters. And having a, a, a document cloud that is clear that everybody understands along with maybe, you know, a policy document that goes with it that says, this is how we name things. This is where we go. If you're looking for this, um, that, that ended up saving just a ton of time. And it allowed people to say, okay, since I have my gates of responsibility and I know where all of the documents and assets are that I need to work on, um, I can now take my calendar and block time to work on projects because I know that within a three hour period, I can figure out what needs to happen here. And then I've got the rest of the day to do task work. And so that just sped up the machine incredibly. Wow. That's awesome. I love, I love hearing stories of when projects improve, they get better. And then I bet I got to imagine the team felt so much better when they were streamlined, right. Going through. They, they did. And, and that helped them have fewer meetings, more efficient meetings, but fewer meetings. And that was something that was really high on their, their must have list. That's awesome. Okay, so for the quiz question, once again, for the audience listeners, Elizabeth, where did you get your master's certificate in Lean Six Sigma? Villanova. That's right. So Villanova, uh, Final Four again. Um, they they played, had an awesome tournament. And um, 
and sorry, they did not win the championship this year, but pretty cool that they got to the final four, uh, which is, which is always a fun experience, uh, experience. Um, so how do you measure success in your work? You know, it's interesting The the success metrics for my client are one thing, and we're always listening to that, but the success metrics for L12 services and my team are completely different. Um, we're talking the difference between qualitative and quantitative. Quantitative is usually our client's metrics. Qualitative are ours. Um, so we're looking at the entire length of the relationship and, and the contract. How did we feel? Did we, did we serve well? Do we still have friendships at the end of this? Um, and you know, down the line, what we're also looking for is referrals from that client and testimonials. So when, when those things are really smooth, um, it's a great feeling and we can debrief and we can, you know, we have longstanding relationships. I've had this business for 13 or so years now. And, you know, there are people that still get the Christmas gift or the occasional just phone call. Hey, how are you doing? I was thinking about you. Um, and, and it's really nice. I mean, I'm, I'm at an age where uh, I can see the difference between me in my 30s and me, however old I am now. Um, the thirties me would have just been cranky and thank you very much for your business. Got to go on to the next person, but I'm a little more relaxed now. And, and, um, I, I, am, I feel like it's a badge of honor to have a wall of pictures of me with people that I've really enjoyed working with. And we have genuine smiles and, you know, we refer each other business and we know each other's kids and dogs. And that is my success metric for my organization. Do my team members feel valued and do they feel good and did they enjoy the experience and then do i have something to show for it in in my bag of friends and audience if you're listening if you're wondering how you're ever going to be artificial intelligence that is the answer what was just provided <laughs> um and i'm being serious about that right you know it, it's it's the thing that can't be replaced right is the personal relationship side and where you're actually making a true authentic difference and people want to work with you they refer you there's no greater right um compliment than, than something like that and yeah. so I, I i appreciate you talking about how in the past when you were younger you had this mindset of, let's get things done um but today you're like hey let's let's the people matter right you know that are involved with the business and so thank you thank you for sharing that so i always like to move to the personal side and, and ask you know a question or two you have a lot going on you have a lot of clients you're active with you have a lot of activity how do you keep, what type of habits do you create on a consistent basis to keep yourself on top of your game? Naps. Naps. <laughs> I love it. Yes. So is this like a 20 minute nap? Do you do the 20 minute you know, power nap? Do you do the, do you do the three hour nap, the siesta? I mean, give me, what, what do you do? Usually it's the power nap. Um, I, you know, I'll listen to my body, whatever it is that it needs. And, you know, that also has to correlate with my schedule, but, but the 20 minute power nap works. It, you know, it, it refreshes and it allows me to start thinking clearly and disconnect from the thing I was just doing. That's where I have a, a hard time because I will have my brain in a project or a, a, you know, meeting or a business or whatever. But if I take that 20 minutes, I can start fresh. And that's a great feeling midday, because if I just were to fortify that with coffee, we'd all be in trouble. I love, I love that. Now, have you heard of a nappuccino? <laughs> no, I haven't. Okay. I, a glass I, of wine? <laughs> <laughs> so this, I, 
wish and forgive me for not remembering the author. Um, but yeah, Nappuccino is when you take have some coffee before your nap. And if you have to do the 20 minute power nap, you even be more awake and alert because the caffeine takes a little bit to kick in. Wow. I might have to see how that works. Okay. So nice. it depends on your sensitivity to caffeine or not, but the Nappuccino. So there you go. There's, there's, I have not presented that before. Once again, I'm stealing that from, from an author. Forgive me. And if someone wants to share with me who it is, please just fire, you know, just shout out to me. Um, but I loved it. I love the concept of that, you know, and, but the naps, no. And now explain to our audience why a 20 minute power nap is more important than the 45 minute nap. I don't know. Oh, so so you get in the REM a little bit. And oh. and so so if you could avoid getting into that part. So there there is actually real value in the 20 minute because you get the brief rest, but you don't go into deeper sleep. And if you wake up in the middle of your deeper sleep, that's when you're even more groggy. That's when people complain about naps in the afternoon. You have to do it, do it right. Uh you have to actually do it right. So you have to go through with a full REM or you have to do a power nap like what you talk about so um so, so you mean you, i could have had a career in nap sciences that would have been <laughs> there, awesome. yes there are those people that have that and you are the first person to recommend the nap i think and so i appreciate that um that we we got to there so because you know we get the crazy people that are like saying you know i'm doing marathons every week and that and um but i love that i love the naps um my wife might listen to the show now because of that answer um how do you measure success in your personal life? My relationships. It, it, it's really about my relationships. The, the business is the business and I love doing what I do. Um, and I no longer have to struggle like I did when we were just starting out and starting up. Um, so now I can take the time to really enjoy the people around me. So my husband is happy and my dogs are happy and my, you know, folks are happy and my team is happy. It just, it's a great place to be. Um, I, I, I know that I need to always, you know, be aware of the areas that I want to improve, you know, walking into a situation with any bias or, you know, being curt and unkind when I'm under stress or, or those things. But for the most part, being able to, to live in the environment that's peaceful and calm and joy-filled helps me to remind myself to continue to work on the things that are an ongoing human challenge. Great answer. You know, I appreciate, appreciate you sharing that and, and I appreciate you understanding what's important for you. What is a book that you recommend for our audience? Business book, um, one of my favorite human beings and authors, but human beings first, um, is a fellow named John Spence. And he has a book called Awesomely Simple. Um, it's Awesomely Simple Essential Business Strategies for Turning Ideas into Action. Um, it's a great, great book. It kind of goes back to that comment I made about you're hiring me to be your easy button. So it, it talks about leadership and simplifying what we already try to make way too complex. Um, and a book that's not business related that uh, I've always enjoyed, um, Naomi Novik writes a series called Temeraire and it is historical fiction about the Napoleonic Wars, but it's told from the point of view of a talking band of flying dragons. 
Wow. Okay. So you just, you just, we just went a whole different level there. I mean, I, Napoleonic, I was with you and then you pulled out the dragons. Like, yeah. so like, this is like a Dungeons and Dragons experience we're having, but not quite. Well, it's, it's the people who are fighting in the war against Napoleon, instead of being in airplanes, they ride these dragons that have agreed to fight the war with them. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, I, <laughs> we have had more first first items things brought up in this particular episode than we've had in quite a few. So that's totally awesome. Um, how can people learn more about you and your business? Sure. My playground is LinkedIn. My name has unusual spelling. So once you get it down, I will be the only one you find. Um, Elizabeth Wesley Casella. There's a hyphen in it. Um, my website is l12services.com. And um, if you are interested in sending me an email, it's Elizabeth at l12services.com. Elizabeth, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Measure Success podcast. I have enjoyed it so much, and I have rarely had the opportunity to speak about all of those first, so thank you very much. <laughs> uh, absolutely, and, and to all of our guests, thank you so much for listening. Once again, if you want to get a shirt, uh, email catch at 40strategy.com if you bring up Villanova, and um, thank you for listening. Wishing you all the very best and measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success Podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.